Today on Going Into All the World, our host Gary Griffinhagen will finish the major testimonies from his four-year term as advisor to the JC Fan Club, the high school Bible club at Silverado High School in Victorville, California. The testimonies and many history of the club show club members engaged in normal Christian activities like See You at the Pole, National Day of Prayer, 24 and 30 hour fasts, service and outreach projects at the school. They're the basis around which the Holy Spirit touched lives, delivered many and more. I want to remind all listening, this was on a regular public high school campus meaning God could do similar works and wonders at a workplace, a casual get-together, sporting events, and more. Now, here's Gary. Last week, I started to review the testimony about sharing with the wrestling coach, Matt. I mentioned that I held Matt to Christian standards, even though he was not saved. Not sure why I did it. I don't remember necessarily why, but it turned out it worked out very good for him because he otherwise would have gotten not got the job once the first or the original coach left. Anyways, he was not selected as the new wrestling coach. This is kind of the testimony, a part of it. And he was very upset. Um, let's say he was very bitter or embittered, if you would, and just not taking it well. When the testimony, I shared that Matt first railed against me, I'm sorry, against the district for about 30 minutes. Then he came against me. Why did he come against me? Well, I was telling him, you should forgive you should give it to God and trust the Lord. Again, this is not a believer. This is an unbeliever. I think he'd gone to Catholic Church a few times, so he might have had a little idea. But as far as forgiving them and giving it to the Lord, that was not in his, uh, so to speak, mindset. And he kind of let me know that in, in no short ways. Well, and I mentioned part of the reason I inserted these paragraphs was that I wanted to show what we have to do as believers, okay, to see some of these things come to pass. We have to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We have to walk in wisdom and love and things like that. So I say these things. So in this case, I was looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and I was thinking, you know, basically this whole hour and a half when this went on, I had to have love. I had to have peace, joy. Definitely had to have patience. Had to have kindness, okay, and kind of turn the other cheek type things. And really, I had to use a lot of wisdom, okay? Um, part of me was trying to battle, should I keep holding him these standards? Part of me realized, okay, he's rejecting the standards, so in a sense he's rejecting God, not not necessarily, but you know, the peace of God that could have ruled his life was he was trying to throw it away. It's better to cuss the district out or come against them and call them names and da-da-da-da-da than it is to forgive them. Um, so again, and I had to use wisdom as he started attacking me. Um, I had to kind of think, well, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with it in love? And, okay, how am I going to, so to speak, get out of this or kind of maybe trying to turn the situation, the discussion around? Well, about 50 minutes, okay, and into the call, I actually called my wife, partly because I was going to be late for dinner, and I asked her to pray and, and just partly to give my mind a chance to recoup. And if you remember the testimony, that was about 50 minutes in. In 10 more minutes, okay, somehow he just broke. I don't know exactly what happened, but the Holy Spirit or must have touched him or somehow he went from mad, angry, cussing, so to speak, uh, at me after cussing the district. He went and he started crying. And again, this is a tough wrestling coach. This is not some little wimp type person. All right. But somehow God touched his heart. And again, just for the people maybe you hadn't turned in last week or you weren't with us. Basically, what happened is Matt had lost the job to somebody else. Well, the somebody else suddenly decided uh, maybe a weekend or so just to leave. They left town overnight, and Matt ended up getting the job when the guy left. 
Well, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ, and in this situation, okay, and we can pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit will show us, because he's, he's kind of, if you want to call it that, searching the mind of God, trying to find the will of God. We need to use wisdom when we face with difficult circumstances. You know, some of the testimonies I give, they're kind of straightforward. They're kind of, God moved in and touched a life, or God moved in and do that. Some of the others, uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about today, you have to use some serious wisdom and some serious prayer, because whether it's the enemy or not, Something is coming against what you want to do or what you believe is right. Well, let's go back to the Christian punk rock testimony. Remember the uh, band? Uh, we wanted the band to come uh, to our high school. We thought it would be maybe touch different lives or maybe be an outreach to different type of people. At first, our permit was denied. Okay, You have to petition the school to uh, be allowed to hold the event. Um, and during this time, of course, I had to stay really calm. I had to stay very controlled. Yet I had to adopt a stance that I'm going to go in and talk to the principal and say, I really, really want the band. All right, I don't want to back down. I didn't feel like that was necessarily or, or right, if you would. Well, during the course of events, if you remember, I had to be very patient. I had to discuss our rights. We as a club had rights, and we could actually go to the district and complain. But I mentioned I didn't really want to do that, okay, because we had a great relationship with the principal and didn't want to jeopardize that. Well, praise God. I also exercised patience, and in the long run, patience paid off. I never had to go above the principal or do anything else, because in a couple of days, he changed his mind. They allowed to okay the band to come, and like I said, instead of playing one lunch, they played two. Administrators went and saw the band, and they loved it. It was just a great time, okay, and, and, so to speak, in that event. But the, the final part I want to make here about walking and, and you know, or so to speak, going through some of these events is. Believers need to both talk the talk, but also walk the walk. If I'm going to say I'm going to trust God, and I get the permit denied, or Matt's not giving in, he's almost coming after me, you know, uh, I have to stand firm, if you would, and I have to be patient, loving, kind, gentle, and all those things, but again, stand. So that means I have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And if we walk in the Spirit, the Bible says, okay, A, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, like worry, doubt, come against Matt, or something like that. But we'll also see that the scriptures and the promises of God will begin to work for us. Well, the last testimony I want to share from Silverado High School involves the president of the club. Last week, I shared one, one of the testimonies about her, how God had spoke to her to call a special meeting. This was like at 7 in the morning. She saw me. said, God said he's going to come in with power if we have a special meeting. Well, we did. Um, God showed up in power, touched lives, pretty much everybody who was slain in the spirit, okay? And the whole classroom except me, all right, just laying out on the ground because God touched all their lives. Well, I also mentioned that one of the pe persons that was touched was a student who was not necessarily part of the club or kind of on the outside, if you would. Well, God touched her life, and she ended up in Christian music. I don't know a whole lot where she went, but someone told me, yeah, she got, from that day on, she was just different. God touched her life and somehow drew her into Christian music. Well, let me get back to the uh, testimony here about the club president. Well, she and her sisters were triplets. So the three of them were there. Um, praise God, I loved them, and they were nice, really kind of, if you want to call it, nice, gentle people. And the president was kind of more bubbly and different things. And it was kind of fun to see them and have them. And so one day I happened to, I don't know if I came around the corner, they came in my room, I'm not sure where it was. <clears throat> and there again, pretty, pretty, usually pretty even keeled, and the president again was somewhat bubbly. But today I looked at them and they were down and they were like really down. And I kind of watched them for a few minutes or maybe we talked a little bit, but nothing kind of snapped them or drew them out of it. Um, <clears throat> I said to them, can I ask you what's going on? 
or why are you so down? Well, they told me we don't want to discuss it. And that was kind of an unusual answer. Um, There's probably some hurt in their tone and, again, maybe some leeriness. Well, here's what God did. God gave me a word for them, and I looked at all three of them, and I said, you three have been molested. And this is a very unusual word. I don't say that to too many people, okay? I've never heard of that being said to too many people. But remember, when God inspires something, there's a purpose behind it. He doesn't like, so to speak, reveal stuff like this or do things, okay, without a purpose. And here's what happened. They were not overly shocked. They didn't run out of the room. They didn't, like, you know, get real taken back and kind of come after me. I'm not, again, exactly sure how they reacted, but, again, they didn't run out of the room. They then opened up, and this is the good news. They looked at me, and they said, look, we have a younger sister, and our dad, who's the one that molested us, was grooming the sister, okay, so we could, so to speak, molest her or be involved with her. And they were very, very afraid. That's why they were down. And they were very, very hurt and very, very scared, okay, that he was going to do the same or she would face the same abuse, okay, and, and mistreatment. Well, in my mind, I had to do something. I had to do something ASAP. This is very serious um, activity or action. Well, the three, of, uh, three, the three sisters and I discussed the matter, and I said, to me, I need to go over to your house. Um, I don't know if I'm going to directly confront your dad. I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I got to go there. I have to do something to protect the sister or get involved, okay? So we made some plans to go over to their house. Well, it was highly unusual. As I get there, I realized I knew the house and I knew the dad. I had been to their house years ago when the sisters were very young. Uh, I'd actually even thought about dating their mother before she married this guy. And I knew, of course, the brother of the mo- uh, this girl, or the mother, if you would. And I won't go into that. That's kind of the backside of the story. But it was kind of interesting how it came to my mind. I went, oh, my heavens, I've been here. Well, I looked at the dad, and I talked with him, and he didn't recognize me, okay? Well, as I, as I kind of sat there, and we talked a little bit, I realized I can't make a direct confrontation, okay? Um, there's too many details, and if the dad became angry, well, that might be bad news for the triplets. He could get real ugly, or maybe things could even worse. Well, I kind of hinted around a little bit. Hey, the younger sister's nice. I, I hope she goes, you know, kind of grows up like the other sisters and nice young women. And it'd be a shame if something happened to her. So I was kind of like trying to give code words. Well, he didn't react to that. And I thought, well, last chance or last thing I got to do, um, should I get physical? And I thought, no, this, is, this could, again, this is not a place to be. If I do a confrontation or I get physical and he gets mad, who knows what's going to happen, all right? So I realized I'm just going to have to back off a little bit and try to figure this one out. Well, I really couldn't stand by as California law required known abuse reported. If I was a teacher or somebody on staff and I knew there was abuse, I had to, I had to report it. That was a state law. And you face some other, so to speak, criminal charges if you didn't. So here I'm thinking, well, I know about abuse. It's three involved three sisters. Um, if I don't say something, I'm going to face criminal charges. There's no way around this. Would that mean jail time? Well, maybe not jail time, but I would definitely have something on my record and have some, some definite issues to deal with. Well, I just kind of prayed on it, not sure what to do. So the next day I saw the club president of the school, we started talking about the next step. And she started look, or she just looked at me as we were talking and she said, please do not turn my dad in. Again, she said, please do not turn my dad in. And I could tell if I turned her dad in, it was going to break her heart. Now, why she felt this way, what the reasons were, I don't know. But I could see her eyes pleading with me. 
And later I realized, or I thought, here's a girl that's been hurt, molested, all kind of messed up especially by dumb adults. And if I turn around and break her heart, I'd just be another dumb adult in her life. Well, I want to interject here that one of the reasons that we believers want to have faith and, quote, build the faith, the faith that we have, Jesus said everybody's given, or the Bible says everybody's been given the measure of faith. So we all have faith. We want to develop that faith, and we want to have it there when it's called upon. As we grow in faith and understanding, we can be used by God more and more. We can walk in more and more faith. And guess what? This is one of those situations. And here's what happened. As I looked into her eyes, this thought came to me. I've trusted God before. I can trust him now. Again, I've trusted God before. I can trust him now. And you know what? That's exactly what I did. I looked at her and I said, you know what? I'm not going to turn your dad in. And I don't know if I said I'm going to trust God, but I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to turn him in. And by the grace of God and the smarts I had, I went home. I'm going to go home and pray. I don't know if I said that to her, but in my mind, I thought, Gary, you're taking some serious risk here. You need to go home and pray. Well, I needed to pray both for myself and, of course, for the sister. I needed to pray for protection over here so something wouldn't happen real fast or whatever. And I also had to pray about I face some serious consequences. Again, I would immediately lose my job. There's, you, can't, you can't get out of that. That's just a, a given. Secondly, because I, there was like three people, I couldn't talk my way out. Well, maybe one person. Maybe I wasn't sure. No, there was three people. It was definite. I was going to face charges. Whatever those criminal charges were or whatever the repercussions were, there's no way I was going to be out of it. Again, jail time, probably not, but some kind of notation. Well, I want you to think for a second. This is a rough situation, but guess what? God is very, very big. And he hears our prayers, and we pray in faith, and we pray with, if you want to call it wholeheartedly, we really seek him. All right, here's what God did. A few months later, okay, out of the blue, if you want to call it that, they called a special custody hearing. When I say they, the county or whoever, all right, called this county, I'm sorry, called a custody hearing. Well, the mother had lost custody. That's why the four girls were with the dad, because she got somehow involved with drugs. And I knew she was in some kind of rehab or had quit drugs and kind of doing better and stuff, but I really didn't know what stage it was. Well, and of course, the couple had been divorced, okay? It was kind of a mess in that sense, too. But he still had full full custody. But again, here's what God did. I'd been praying, and I'd, I'd, I'd honored that girl's request not to turn her dad in, okay? Well, at the, at the hearing, the judge awarded full custody to the mother. They told me, I wasn't there, but they told me, Gary, the whole, the whole courtroom was shocked. Nobody could believe it. Nobody expected it. But out of the blue, and I think it's because of God's prayers, the prayer of my, sorry, my prayers to God, that God turned this whole thing around and spared the sister. She never got touched. He spared my job. He restored order to the family, and he got all four girls out of a dangerous situation. Now, I almost broke up there a little bit because it was really very touching. You know, I'd been praying, and of course, like I say, I'm praying, and if you want to call it that for that sister, and I'm also praying, I got to be a little careful here. But God, he intervened, okay? Nobody expected it. Nobody could believe it from what I'm told, but God did it. Now, I want to tell you a little bit more about the story and how the Holy Spirit works in my life, and I want to give you something to think about. Well, I have a a number of stories, as you know, as I give these testimonies, and sometimes I write them down or I kind of scratch them all out or put them down on scratch paper, and I say, okay, this is this category, okay? Miracles, this is this category, words of wisdom or things like that. Well, usually as I'm driving down the road, I think I've got maybe 15 in this category. Well, the Holy Spirit will bring up one I totally forgot. 
And I'm like, well, how can that? Well, it's okay. He knows those things. I don't know those things. Well, then this happened more than once. He brings things to my mind. Well, about 20 years after this event, you know, I used that was in California, and I'm in Utah. I'm, I'm driving somewhere, daydream, and out of the clear blue sky, the Holy Spirit said, what was your job? And I'm thinking, what? What, what, what does that mean? Um, what was my job? I, I'm a school teacher. Uh, and, and I just kind of, if you want to call it reflected for a minute, then it hit me. He was asking me, what was your job once you found out the ballast station? What was your job? And I thought, you know what? My job was to protect the younger sister. And exactly, that's exactly what he said. Your job was not to turn the dad in. Your job was to protect the younger sister, and you did that. So, first of all, I was—I just thank God for that because again, it was a very—it was very, how should I say, it's a very difficult situation. And I appreciate, if you want to call it, commending me. You're just kind of reflecting it. But for you that are listening, this is what the Holy Spirit did 20 years after the event. This is 20 years or so, not sort of the day, so to speak, but about 20 years after the event, he brought it up, and here he is discussing with me. If you don't think God is big, if you don't think God is really, really big, if you don't think God is greatly big, and if you don't think he remembers every single detail of our life, I can tell you he does. If I forgot a story, he'd bring it to my mind. In this case, here's what he said. What was your job? So we're talking about an event 20 years ago. I hadn't thought about it. You know, every once in a while I think about it if I'm telling stories to people. But otherwise, I'm not thinking about it. And this is what he said to me. What was your job? And then I realized. He's telling me, my job was to prick the younger sister, not to turn the dad in. And that's exactly what happened. Well, um, I'm going to share just a little bit about the story. Uh, and I want to make an, another point. Um, I mentioned that I knew the mother, okay, I'd actually visited the house, okay, and I'd met the father. And how is this all tied together? Well, I was part of a drama troupe, and we used to travel to youth facilities and sometimes correction camps and occasionally jails and prisons. We did this every Friday night for seven years. We would take a few months off in the summer, but every Friday night, myself and about 15 to 20 people would tour. We had a big truck that would carry all of our materials and all the backdrops and the, kind of the stage materials and stuff like that. And again, we would perform every Friday night. Um, and here's how it fits together. The grandmother of these triplets, okay, she was part of the group. And she and I were kind of, if you want to call maybe the more mature type people in the group. Um, although it was a Christian group, uh, we always generally, I would say we mainly had very good times and everything went smoothly, but we had challenges, we had disagreements and things like that. Well, basically a lot of times she and I would get together and pray. We would try to go, okay, we've, we've kind of explained things and worked things through. And we kind of realized, Gary, you and I need to pray when we, we, we've got to come up with a better answer. Well, I always remember she was very kind to me. She was very wise and she and I would try to work together. And guess what? When her, when her granddaughter was facing, okay, molestation, guess who God used? He used me. She was, she'd always been kind to me. She'd always work with me on difficult matters. She'd always encourage me. And I'm saying this, that you may, if I'm encouraging you, if you have somebody in your life, be kind to them, encourage them. If you want to, if you want to so to speak, do what you can for them and be involved with them because you never know, that person may be instrumental in your life or my life down the road. Well, that kind of ends the testimonies, okay, of from Silverado High School. I hope you enjoyed those. We'll call it today's story. We'll call it Silverado Stories number three. 
And now I'm going to go on to Romans 7. You know, I've been doing the book of Romans, I kind of intersperse, and I want to go into Romans 7, and I want to give a little bit of an overview and kind of review some things from, uh, if you want to call it Romans 6. Well, again, the title of this program is called Going to All the World. The show, of course, the intent of the show is to show how myself and others, and we're still doing it today, how we went and we're still doing it today, that we went into all the world. And we want to encourage listeners, you people that are born again, you people that know the Lord, we want to encourage you to go into the world yourselves. What we saw in Romans 6, the emphasis was living out what Jesus provided. He gave us right standing with God and justification. As believers, we were dead and buried with him. We are now dead to sin and its power. Our new life is to turn to him and become slaves of righteousness. And I wanted you to think about that. You know, a lot of times we talk about we get saved and that's great. Well, we've gone from something. We were slaves of sin. We need to go to something, slaves of righteousness. We need to commit every day, every if, if you want to call it every instant, every if you want to call it all of our energy, all of our power, all of our focus, we want to commit it to him, and we want to be slaves of righteousness because he's the one that saved us out of this mess. So we're not just saved so we get to go to heaven. We're saved, okay, so we can become slaves of righteousness and do things for God. Well, <clears throat> I want to go back to Romans six thirteen. And says, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So again, we just I just quoted instruments of righteousness. So God, again, wants us to not walk in what we used to. We're actually free from that. We discussed that in Romans 6. But he wants us, so to speak, now to start walking in that righteousness, okay, that he's, so to speak, brought to us. And I think many believers kind of recognize their freedom. They kind of walk free from the power of sin. But maybe they're not committing their lives and their bodies and their whole focus and stuff to God 24-7. Well, myself and many others have, have kind of understood over the years that our call is not just on Sunday morning. It's not just called Sunday morning or our call is not just Sunday morning and one or two evenings a week. But our call is there every single day, each and every day. We go into the world daily. A lot of us are surrounded by unbelievers, and maybe if you live or maybe if you're in a, a Christian commune or maybe you work at a church, you don't really see too many, but most of us see unbelievers, okay, often during the day. Maybe it's at a store, maybe it's a, a gas station, maybe it's a sporting event. We're going to see people. And so God wants us to think, or I'm going to encourage you to think for a second. You go, you're daily surrounded by unbelievers. Do you listen? Are you sorry? Are you looking to share with them? Are you trying to find a way? Maybe you're going to see them regularly, so you first want to build a relationship before you share with them. And one other thing you do, and I would encourage you to do, are you asking God, okay, to use you every day? I do that, okay? And I like to say I do it 24-7, but I do it every day and pretty consistently. I don't think there's many days that I miss and say, God, would you lead me to somebody? Well, I know I'm kind of winding out of time, but I want to remind you here again, the testimonies from Silverado were testimonies of God moving through myself and club members as we sought him. We were asking to be used. We were asking him to work through us. And remember, an entire high school campus knew that God's power resided in a classroom. I didn't realize how much they knew, but over the years, last couple, two or three years, people tell me, Gary, every single believer and unbeliever, every single student that's a believer and unbeliever knows that there's power in that room. And they, they, if you want to say, they actually talked about it quite a bit, a lot more than I knew about. But anyways, 
if we as believers start embracing scriptures, you can do greater things. Through God, I can do all things. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Let Jesus use us, okay, in our sphere of the world to destroy the works of the devil around us. Well, listen, I need to end here, but I hope you've been encouraged by these testimonies and stories and the whole experience with Silverado High School. It was a wonderful move of God, and we appreciate it. Well, listen, I'm going to go ahead and close here. I'm going to let Russ say a couple words, but I hope you can join us next week. Again, thank you for being here as we go into all the world. Thanks for joining us here on Go Into All the World. You may be listening on the Grace and Truth Radio World Network um, in Plano, Texas, or maybe with the Truth Radio Network in the Salt Lake City area. Either way, know that your prayers and your words of encouragement are greatly appreciated, as are your donations to help this ministry keep moving forward for the glory of God. If you'd like to donate, just Google Grace and Truth Radio and just please mention go into all the world on the online form or on your check. So thank you for joining us here on Go Into All the World. See you next week.